Welcome to the Final Score Network and the Final Score Podcast, presented by Team Anders Realtors. I'm Andy. He's former NCAA student athlete and co-host. Brian Gam, two-hand monster flush off the inbound. Brian Gam slam jam. Subscribe to us on Podbean, the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at the Final Score Thirty Five and TikTok at AG Spartan Fan 35. Oh, and one more note before we get started. I'd like to apologize to anyone I've not offended yet. Please be patient. I'll get to you shortly. It's March 28th, 2023. We're in episode 117. That's crazy to say. Can't believe it's almost April here um, on Saturday. That's pretty wild. College basketball, three games left. Um, it's been a journey. Um, the road ends here, as they say. The Final Four, we'll get to all that good stuff here um, and, and the first down. Um, plenty of stuff to talk about uh, basketball-wise in general. Um, some golf stuff. Um, baseball starts on Thursday. That's kind of wild. I thought it only started like the 1st of April, not March 30th. But here we go. Tigers are going to be terrible again. So we won't have to talk about them at all. Uh, I think NHL and NBA playoffs start up in a couple weeks. NFL drafts one month from yesterday. Um, that's pretty crazy as well. Um, so a lot of stuff to talk about here. We'll go to the podium as always. Um, I'll go first. Michigan State football. Uh, have not talked football much at all, but Michigan State's going through spring practice right now. Um, for those that don't pay too much attention, I thought I'd give a quick little update. What I read, um, some good stuff. Um, Peyton Thorne and the quarterbacks, uh, apparently it's neck and neck between the three. Apparently it's Thorne and um, Mr. Kim are kind of the top two right now. Um, wouldn't be surprised if Kim got the job, um, but I would expect Thorne to probably start the season. But I'm glad there's an open competition. Um, Michigan State's offensive line's healthy. Um, Said they look really good. That's awesome. We need that. Um, and the team in general is pretty healthy, which is fantastic as last year. Um, if you didn't know, Michigan State couldn't even have a spring game or scrimmage or anything because there were so many damaged players, um, especially on the offensive line. So that's really good. Uh, Michigan State fired their GM, so their general manager of the program, so basically recruiting coordinator kind of thing, got rid of them, looking for a new one. I think it's good to get fresh blood in there. Michigan State was missing on some guys, kind of got to get back to their roots in my opinion to – Recruiting blue-collar guys, guys that aren't going to enter the transfer portal if they don't play right away. Get D'Antonio-type guys, but also mixing in those, you know, those big names that you can get based off of, you know, prior relationships and whatnot. But Michigan State football, hopefully, that's the next thing we have to look forward to as sports fans is football. That's pretty crazy, aside from summer full of golf, but um, some people, that's not their thing. Um, crazy. That's a long way away. But, that, but not really. It's like six months, so. Let's not wish come, away. We're not even warm enough later. yet for summer, so no. we need to get some warmth first. All right, for my podium, I want to tell you why this Final Four is great for college basketball, and it is not an argument for expansion of the field. I'm going to tell you this. Anybody who argues that this Final Four is bad for college basketball, do yourself a favor, do me a favor, do Ryan a favor, Go watch the frickin' NBA. Because what you're asking for is the quote-unquote best teams to play for championships. And to do that, you need series. I have no interest in series. I have no interest in 12th place Big 12 or Big 10 or ACC teams making the tournament either. Because it would take away the opportunity of the FDUs of the world, of the Florida Atlantics of the world, of the San Diego States of the world who play in otherwise so-called middling conferences, but clearly are really good basketball teams. Um, College basketball in March Madness in particular is the greatest sporting event, not because the best team wins every year. Where else in a sport can last year you have a blue blood laden final four of regardless of their seeds? Because remember, North Carolina was an eight seed last year. North Carolina, Kansas eventual champion, Villanova and Duke. And then a year later you have... Florida Atlantic playing San Diego State and Miami playing UConn. You have three first-time Final Four teams. 
Anybody who argues that that's bad for college basketball, I'm sorry, you're not a college basketball fan, and I don't care about your opinion. College basketball fans that are true fans that watch basketball all winter long love this. They love the upsets. They don't care if it means you tear up your bracket and you lose your $5 entry or your $25 entry or however much you pay to get into your pools. It is all about the fun and the excitement. Yeah, winning a bracket contest is great, blah, 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 whatever. I'm telling you, there's a reason nobody in the history of mankind has ever gotten a perfect bracket. It will never happen, and that is what makes March so unique and so brilliant and so beautiful. Because every corner you turn, you think, oh, that team's run is going to end. That team's run is going to end. We can sit here as Michigan State fans and say, damn it, if we had beaten Kansas State, we would have beaten Florida Atlantic. I don't know about that. Florida Atlantic beat Kansas State. We beat Michigan State. So, point being, please... Save your breath, save your argument, or go talk into a paper bag or into a toilet or something. I don't want your mini-series. I don't care that Purdue's not in the Final Four. They lost to FDU. That's brilliant. It's fun. It's what makes March mad. Don't at me. Let's go March Madness. Couldn't agree more. Um, Good podium. Um, All right. Tee up. We're going to tee up... uh, NIT Women's Middle Tennessee State. I don't know this girl's name, um, but she deserves to go to jail, um, to be punished, to be... Assault. She literally assaulted someone, walking through a handshake line, playing Bowling Green um, after... I don't... I, they must have lost. They lost. Memphis lost. Punches Sucker this punched girl her. in the face. Um, come on. Are you serious? Well, I've seen video of, of the women who are worse than the men... To like basically tackling the girl from Iowa, the Caitlin girl who's had a forty point triple double the other night. Like if you can't, I guess if you can't beat them, you beat them. Is that what the point is? And I'm I'm sorry, but I'm gonna go a little bit there for a second. That was a African American girl punching a white girl. If it was the opposite, ESPN would have had that girl absolutely hung and quartered. The white girl that is for doing it. Not a cricket from the national media. A couple stories here and there on TikTok. That's all you saw. It's ridiculous, the double standard. And I'm telling you, that is racism. Not all this other purported woke bullshit racism that's always reported. That is an act of violence, aggressiveness, and racism. And if you don't agree, then I can't help you because you're part of the problem in society. It's gross the way people behave nowadays. And I'm going to go off this a little bit as we kind of get into first down territory and, you know, recapping the weekend. This doesn't have as much to do with the basketball games. But I'm telling you what, speaking of handshake lines, and I've, I've heard like a Jay Billis actually kind of recommend that maybe you don't have them anymore because of the heat of the moment, whatever. I say BS, because if you can't be an adult and lose with the kind of grace that you win with and lose with class, you can't function in society. So don't tell me, well, well, the the solution is go away from handshake lines. No, it's not. The solution is to effing grow up. And I'm going to do a case in point. I get it. They were sad. I get it. Justly, Kansas State lost very much the same way Michigan State did. Didn't get a shot off. Had it in their best player's hands. He gave it up for whatever reason. Didn't get a shot off. Lost by three. Got upset by Florida Atlantic. I get it. Teams are sad. I get it. The cameras are right in your face afterwards. You you have your cooling off, your grieving period, whatever. Not one Kansas State player even made eye contact with a Florida Atlantic player in that line. Again, You win with class and dignity. You lose with more class and dignity. And for every bit of it Coach Tang had for Kansas State, and he, after the cooling off period, he went in Florida Atlantic's locker room and, you know, really displayed great sportsmanship. Where's that from your team, Coach? Because your team acted like a bunch of a-holes. After they beat Michigan State, they acted like jerks. And then they acted, no surprise, like jerks when they lost to Florida Atlantic because they didn't get what they want. I'm so tired of society and the gimme, gimme, gimme and the entitlement. Grow up, act with class, win with it, lose with it, be done. But then again, hey, we're Michigan State fans and we watch it all the time out of Jawan and Jimmy down in Michigan. I, I, I just, it blows my mind how adults like my age and older were quote molders of men and women can't teach these kids right from wrong and demand 
an expectation out of them. I guarantee you Coach Izzo demands and has an expectation. You want to throw a Gatorade jug, you want to throw your water bottle down, you want to pout, you want to have a tantrum, do it in the locker room away from the cameras, but you respect your opponent that you just went to battle with. It's gross. It's gross. Mm -hmm. Can't, could not agree more. Um, I guess we'll just jump into four downs here. Second weekend review. Speaking of Kansas State, uh, Kansas State, Michigan State, really good basketball game. Um, yeah, if you're classic, just a basketball fan, it's a fantastic game. game. No defense whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, very disappointing on Michigan State side. I mean, offensively, can't complain. Made shots, made big plays, except for the last, you know, didn't get a shot. Only missed four free throws, but it felt like the ones they missed, missed were one and horrible. One. Front, Joey missed the front end of one and one. Malik missed two late. You just don't go for the rebound late after maybe it was tipped, maybe it wasn't. Like basketball is a game of inches, and it's never really one thing or another. But those things add up, and those are some. I mean, Michigan State didn't get like it was hot potato. Tyson gives it to Joey, who had a clean look, but he passed up. Who gave it to Malik, who had a clean-ish look and passed it up and passed it back to Joey. And Michigan State never got a shot off, and it was disappointing because you know when you look in the grand scheme of things and it's easy like i said in my open it's easy to say oh right. well, michigan state would have been in the final four i mean the road was the road was easier right like you got to take advantage of those things because the tournament comes with a great degree of luck even when michigan state last big 10 team to win the national championship in 2001 they overcame double digit deficits like a couple of times in the sweet 16 the elite 8 they had a battle with wisconsin they had a battle through the Mateen cheap shot that Dupay put on them. It's never easy. There's always a magical run in teams. Um, and I don't buy that these teams, you know, one of the arguments I saw against my podium was that, oh, you know, these teams can't make a run. BS, Florida Atlantic made a run. Everybody picked Memphis as the darling to, to not only win that game, but beat Purdue in the next round. And no, it was Florida Atlantic. Yep. Um San Diego State, nobody picked them to get to the... No one picked to them the, to... I this, picked them to lose at Charleston. This Final Four, 1 in 125,000 shot. 1 in 125,000. So put it in betting par- parlance. It wasn't a bet, by the way, but that's a... You bet a dollar on this Final Four, the way the odds rolled out, you would have won $125,000. That's how uncommon this is. And, you know, so you look at it like a Michigan State and you can't help but be disappointed. Do they have the team and all the horses to win a national championship legitimately? Probably not, but who's to say, right? But that's why you got every play matters. Every play in March matters. And we saw it all weekend long, the way that Creighton lost on a crazy foul that was a foul. I'm sorry, you you know, I'm one who's like, oh, swallow the whistle. But you know what? If you want them to call it and it's consistent, it's a foul. He pushed him. Would he have missed the shot? Probably the way it was going, but he fouled him. So, you know, sucks you lost that way. Texas blew a 13-point lead and lost by eight or nine points. Um, The only team that's left standing that looks absolutely, utterly, and incredibly dominant is UConn. And I don't know that anybody ever, maybe you know, Rob, I don't know that anybody ever reseeds the tournament kind of after the fact and looks at it and goes, oh boy, what should they have been kind of based on how they And they were really good all year. UConn, I mean, okay, so Florida Atlantic, they probably were an 8 or 9 all along. San Diego State, yeah, they're probably a 5. They play in a you know, non-Power 5 conference. Miami's probably more of a You know, Kansas four. State, yeah, they were really good all year. Okay, they're a 3. Miami, you know, you could easily flip-flop with Indiana, been a 4. I mean, they won the ACC regular season title. Maybe they're a 3. UConn, no way, was a four seed. UConn was probably not a one seed because they did hit the skid and the whole regular season counts, but they were easily a two seed, and you're seeing it because they've won their games by a collective 90 points, 22.5 points per game that they're winning by. That is That's crazy. That is unreal, and they are have to be the heavy favorite for the weekend. Now, in, in a tournament where that doesn't matter – that's why we'll talk about that in second down is like what's going to happen in the final four. But, you know, I this is funny because I did a ton of research. I've got my brackets in front of me. I had two teams of my researched, heavily researched bracket based on all these things that you see on like all oh, the teams that do this and the three-point shooting and don't turn it over and Ken Palm this and Ken Palm that. I had two teams make the Elite Eight, and I had those two teams scheduled to make the final four. Creighton and Texas, they both, you know, blew it in the – um, Elite Eight and didn't make the Final Four, but like I had two of eight 
the best in our TFS pool, Polo, 43 games correct, and he's by six games is more. Now, points-wise, he's not going to win. Shout-out to Emily on my team at work who is coming from, like, 30th place in a 33-team contest, and if UConn wins, she wins going away. She's the only That's person crazy. who picked. She's the only person with a champion left. And if UConn gets to the finals and loses, uh, UB or Tony, you're going to be right up there too. I mean, you're going to have a shot at money. Um, just a crazy tournament, crazy weekend. You know, the Sweet 16 games really minus the UConn game were really, really good. Um, you know, Kansas State Michigan State was was epic. Um, San Diego State just absolutely stymied Alabama. Um, Princeton's run came to an end against Creighton. Uh, Miami dominated Indiana. Um you know what? Xavier really laid an egg against Texas. Texas Texas looked almost as good as UConn until they fell flat yeah, the last ten minutes the other day. Um, UCLA absolutely destroyed Gonzaga in the um, Sweet Sixteen. That was the other game. That actually the West is the one that's like UCLA. You mean UConn? UConn can smoke Gonzaga. UCLA, oh, that's right. Yeah, UCLA right. had Gonzaga. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I'm thinking about that. Yeah, right. they did, UConn smoked Gonzaga. Neither of them wanted to win. Gonzaga was down big against UCLA, then came back and was up big, and then almost choked their way out of Morrison's style, and then hit a hit the uh, Villanova play to. That's right. To send them to the Elite Eight. So, um, crazy, crazy tournament. And again, it's why it's so great, and it's why I learned. You know, I tried like some of the. Minus betting all the underdogs, which I've read a lot of times can really pay off in the end, especially in a tournament like this. Um, that's the one thing I didn't do and I should have because I'm down like, I mean, we're talking small penny bets, but I, I'm like, if I've bet $30 so far on the tournament, I've lost 25 of it. Um, and, you know, no return. It's just like everywhere you turn, you're like, okay, now it's going to hit. Now the favorites are going to win. Now it's going to be this. And it just gets turned on its ear. It's crazy. But, you you know, heroes are made. And you got a program like Florida Atlantic who had never won a game in the tournament. And they're in the final four. And they've got a couple of guys that are only sophomores that were cast-offs from bigger D1 programs. So what happens? Can they make another run? Are those guys going to transfer again because of the stupid rules in the transfer portal? Right. Are they going to transfer back up because they've proven themselves? Yeah. Um, nothing has evened the playing field more than the wide open transfer portal, which it's I'm not a huge bad. fan of it, but it does help the parity of basketball. And unless you're a fan of one of the Blue Bloods like we are, you kind of sit back and go, you know what, that's pretty cool that these teams have a shot to win it. I mean, Florida Atlantic or San Diego State is going to play for the national championship. Yeah, that's that's crazy to say. And at one point in the weekend, Florida Atlantic, Creighton, um, Princeton. Princeton, San Diego State was potentially going to play. I mean, it's it's nuts. It's, it's insane, and it's awesome. I love it. Um, a lot of people don't, but I do. Um, just a wild tournament. I mean, probably the craziest I've ever seen in terms of just weirdness. Mm-hmm. But we've talked all year. I mean, college basketball has just been a big pile of mediocre. Um, and it's shown. I mean, yeah. this is what you get. It's lovely. Um, it's not like college football where the same four to six teams right. dominate year in and year out as the same. That's why the expansion of the college football playoff is going to be so great because it's going to get us closer to this where you have some potential for some upsets. Um, and that's what I believe what makes college sports great and what gives these kids a chance for one shining moment. Because, no, in a seven-game series, FDU is not going to beat Purdue four times. Florida Atlantic's probably not going to beat Kansas State four times in a seven-game series. Kansas State's probably not going to beat Michigan State four games in a seven-game series. But that's why we don't play a seven-game series or a five-game series. That's why it's one and done, because it's the greatest thing. Is the best team the champion every year? Nope. And I have zero problems with that. I so agree. moving on to second down, we'll tee up or we'll preview the final four. A couple factoids here for our listeners. This is the first time since 1970 that three first-time teams all showed up in the final four in the same year. That's from before I was born. That's crazy. Um, the combined seed total of the four teams is 23, which is the second highest total since the seeding began in 1979. And this marks the first time that not a single top three seed made the Final Four. This also made the first tournament ever since the field expanded, at least, that no number one seed even made it to the Elite Eight. 
Um, that just speaks to the parity of college basketball. And then uh, the other thing that I'll say before we get into kind of picking the games and previewing is, you know, the old handy-dandy Ken Palm, right? Since it's been in existence, every every national champion has been a top 40 offense and a top 22 defense. Only one such team remains, and that's UConn. They're firmly in that. They've been firmly in it, I believe, since I've been talking about this in, in late January, early February. Um, that says that they should win it. Otherwise, it's going to break a streak. And we know streaks are made to be broken. I think Ken Palm reigns supreme. We'll get to that. Let's do that. Let's just go Final Four preview, second down here. FAU, San Diego State real quick. I think, you know, really good defense versus a team that's versatile on offense, can shoot, shoots a lot of threes, plays at a pretty good pace. San Diego State has some – a lot of veterans. Um, I I, don't, I think this game's gonna be in the sixties. I do. Um, and I think San Diego State nine and one in games five points or fewer, decided by five points or fewer. Yeah, I think I, that reigns supreme. I, I think it's gonna be a good game, but I think San Diego State's gonna get them. I think it, it cancels out that they're both first timers in the final four. They're both gonna be nervous as hell. They're gonna both have major jitters. Um, I love the fire and the energy of Florida Atlantic, but hey, San Diego State was down a decent amount to Creighton too, um, just like FAU was to Kansas State late in the game and and came back. Um, you know, looking at let's just see what their Ken Palm defenses are. So San Diego State actually a really good defense. Um, they are the number four ranked defense, and they've been in the top five really for defense most of the year. Florida Atlantic, respectable, number 24 on offense, and then number 29 on defense. Of course, that's through the tournament. It's not the beginning of it. Um, you know, sort of the readings get adjusted. But I think in a game like this, in a dome where the sight lines are horrible, I get why they play in a dome, but I hate that they play in a dome. Um, you know, probably especially in a tournament like this, honestly, because the general fan ticket buying is probably not going to be as good. And we're talking about Florida Atlantic, who plays in a, an arena smaller than DeVos, where Ryan played in Division Three. For that matter, San Diego State's much bigger. Um, as much as I, Dutcher is, I'm sorry, he's a cheater. He coached with Fisher at Michigan, who cheated. Um, he's a loyal guy. He's obviously a very good coach, a good defensive coach. I'm, not, I'm rooting for Florida Atlantic, to be completely honest, because of those reasons. But I do like how San Diego State plays, and I think San Diego State wins this game probably by five or six points. I don't think the margin is going to be higher than probably five or six either way the whole game. Um, I think that if they can make some clutch free throws down the end, they win that game. Yeah. And they march to Monday. Connecticut-Miami. I'm, I'm intrigued by this game. Really good offense. Um, and then UConn's a great defensive team. Yeah, Miami, the number five offense. I mean, Miami's fun But the watch. 104th defense. Fun to watch. <laughs> And UConn, the number three offense and the number 11 defense. Nigel Pack, really good. Wong's really good. That Jordan Miller guy is really fun to watch. O'Meara, big guy. He's like 6'7". And just when you counted them out against Texas, they shut down Texas and came back and won that game going away. But I'm just, there's, I'm sorry. There's no way. All things equal on offense, which they're not really because UConn's just kind of special the way that they're set up on offense. UConn's defense is that much better. Defense wins games. Yeah. I don't think UConn's going to win this game by 22 and a half no, points. It would be close. But I think I think they kind of pull away at the end. I think they win by 10 plus. Um, you know, Laranega, another final four for him, but I Miami's not going to get it done. And I think it's going to be UConn playing San Diego State. And what could actually be a fairly intriguing game. I don't think it's going to get a whole, not going to break any records for viewership, but I think will be an intriguing game because again, San Diego State can play some defense, but UConn just they're built one to five. Uh, they've got some bench on them. They got guys that can knock down the three. Listen to Danny Hurley, aka Jeff Walgren, after the game. You know what they lacked last year and why they went out when they went out last year is they lacked three point shooting and they got some guys that can knock it down from three to go with Sonogo. Um, yep. And some of their other guys, they're you know, is there is there a point guard Hawkins or Jackson? Um, the point guards forty four, um, the bigger that's guy. That's Jackson. He's like a three, two or three. Kind of like a point four. The point right? guards, the Newton. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Then they have um, Calcaterra as a shooter. Yeah. They, Hawkins is sharp shooter. Klingon coming off the bench. I, I, I'll tell you, we probably talked about in the pod. UConn played 
phenomenal in the non-conference. Then they hit the skid. They haven't the lost East, a non-conference But the Big East was, was really tough. No, no surprise. I mean, they had some of the longer-lasting teams in the dance. Um, I just I just don't see there's a way that San Diego State... I don't think it's going to be like UNLV-Duke in 1990 where UNLV won by 40. I don't think it's going to be like that. I think San Diego State plays enough defense to keep it respectable. But I think I think UConn wins that game by 15-plus points. Yeah, I do. In championship. UConn's going to win the national championship. It's going to be their... They're going to be one of the first programs minus probably like Kansas and North Carolina to win... National championship with three plus coaches. That's crazy. Because yeah, I mean, Ali Calhoun all since what ninety nine, yeah, whatever ninety seven. Mm-hmm. Is that when they won? Yeah, Calhoun won three. Ali won one, and uh, if they Early. win this one, it'd be five. Five, five in twenty four years. It's pretty. It's pretty dominant. Pretty range. crazy. Um, pretty dominant. Range. Usually, you think UConn basketball, you think women's. <laughs> are they blue, but, are they a blue blood if they win it? I think so. You got to. Yeah, I mean, if you have five national championships in that span of time, I mean, how can you not be? Yeah. You know, just because they weren't in the seventies and eighties, there's plenty of teams that were good in the seventies and eighties that suck now. Right. Um, arguably, Michigan was better in the sixties, seventies, and eighties than they are have been in the nineties, two thousands, and twenty tens. So that, they're not a blue blood, so it doesn't necessarily count. But you know, Michigan State's more blue blood since the late seventies. Um, you know, the true blue bloods, Kentucky, North Carolina. Duke wasn't even a blue blood until late 70s into the 80s when Shashevsky was there. Right. They're called a blue blood because they had so much success with Shashevsky, but they weren't, they were not that good in the 50s, 60s, 70s. Um, Kentucky's been there all along from Rupp and, and on. Uh, Kansas has been there all along. You know, Indiana minus a few pockets has been there all along. North Carolina's been there all along, but. You know, so if you're going to argue Duke's a blue blue blood, then yeah, you got to say UConn's a blue blood. For yeah, sure, completely agree. Um, yeah, so UConn taking the the title, I guess that's what we both got here. Yep. Um, yep. Transfer portal season will be upon us 110. percent Yeah. So let's, I mean, it, we don't have it. It's not necessarily a topic per se, but let's talk real quick about Michigan State's roster. Um, you've got a really good recruiting class coming in right now. Pretty consensus number three. Kentucky Duke are always going to be one, two. Who stays, who goes? Out of the guys. So Hauser's technically eligible to come back, but he went through two senior days already. He's gone. Walker can come back. I think Walker comes back, and I think Hall comes back. I don't think Pierre Brooks comes back. I I really don't. I hear rump people say that they think Aikens will leave if Walker comes back. I don't buy that. that I don't see it because Aikens has established himself as a as a starter and a star for Michigan State down the stretch with with Walker and Hogard in the lineup with him. So if you have Hogard who played really well and was Eastern, uh, you know the East Region, all whatever Sweet Sixteen and Lead Eight team, whatever that is, the semifinal all region team. All region team. Um, AJ played really well in the tournament. Uh, you have AJ at the point. You have Tyson, who is a cold-blooded shooter at the two. You have Akins, who's become a cold-blooded shooter. And, oh, by the way, can be your best defensive player. Get him a ball. And, and can get to the rim. Really good um, Rebounder. He's your three. You got Hall as a little bit of a smaller four. And then you got these freshmen that you can weave in. Because Izzo likes, he likes veteran depth on his team. And then you can bring in slowly these great recruits that you have. Plus, you've got guys like Kohler, who's going to get better. Cooper, you got guys I like think Cooper is going to get better. Soko probably will get better. Holloman's a good role player. I think he's okay being a role guy. Um, Michigan State could be the odds-on favorite to win the Big Ten next year. I, that's why I put it on, yeah. And, and I will tell you this. I would say this. If, because you know Tom's going to talk to all these guys. If Tyson said, if Jaden said, I'm going to go if Tyson stays, uh, Tom would be, you know, he's loyal to all his guys and he loves Tyson. I think he would see the upside of keeping Aikens over it. I think Michigan State fans shouldn't worry is my point. is If it came down to one or the other, Tyson's going to leave. Because I don't think Tyson would do that for him. I don't. He doesn't strike me as selfish that way, and I think he sees what Aikens can be for Michigan State. Aikens is on the verge of being a superstar. Yeah, I mean, that's the kind of guy that you get him a, a handle and keep him healthy, and he's going to be a... He's a rebounder. He's a defender. He can shoot the three. He can throw down like Shannon Brown. I mean, he's crazy athletic at the rim. Um, Yeah. So I mean, yeah, you're gonna lose. You're gonna miss a guy like Hauser who shot exceedingly well this year. As much as I picked on him last year, maybe Hall steps into that role. Hall was hurt. I, I, 
people were saying on these message boards or they're saying that are you know the experts the guys that write for on three saying you don't realize how bad his back was at the end of the season yeah I didn't even think about that because you think about his foot when his you think back about him was being really hurt, bad so. yeah so, so who knows maybe he comes back and he certainly has been in the program he knows how to win he's a, he's he's a there. leader senior leader if anything you know then you're and hey I mean he got a, a couple of he got a big rebound that helped Michigan State you know, get into overtime against Kansas State. Um, you know, you win some, you lose some, you make some great plays, you miss some good plays. So I would have no problems if he came back because I think relying completely on – and then Michigan State's actually, for as much as Izzo preached, I don't do the portal, he's actually looking for a shooter in the portal because he knows Joey's not coming back. Right. So he needs to get an established shooter. I think so. he only gets a shooter if Hall – and or Walker leaves if Hall leave, if Hall stays and Walker leaves I don't think he uses the portal if one of them stays or one of them leaves I think that he uses the portal yeah, to, to find, get another shooter to find you know yeah. a four that can shoot the ball a little bit rebound um, would not surprise me but yep. looking up from Michigan State I think Carson Cooper if he has a healthy summer that gets a little jump shot. I think he can be a really good backup five. Kohler needs to get a little bit more explosive Kohler, and athletic. Yeah, um, he's got the he's got the footwork already. And Ryan and I were talking the other day. Post footwork sucks in college basketball anymore, really, unless you're a guy like uh, we're watching Wisconsin the NIT. Unless you're, you know, what's his name, Crowell. Um, post players don't have much footwork, and Kohler's got footwork. He just needs to work on his athleticism. Yep. All right. A quick word from our presenting sponsor, Team Anders Realty will help you find the home that best fits your needs and they make the process simple and fun along the way. The Anders have served thousands of clients over 30 plus years in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area and are here to serve you today. Learn more at teamanders.com. All right. All right. So we always got to throw in a fun one and we're getting to that kind of more silly season where we're going to have to kind of make up content for a while because we don't talk about baseball. We don't have a dog in the fight for the NHL playoffs. The Pistons are the worst team in the NBA, and the NBA is dog meat anyway. Um, so this week we're going to go Canadian Mount Rushmore of the dumbest rules in college basketball. I'm going to throw the first one out there is charge block. Dumb yeah. rule, stupid it's rule, terrible. needs to go away. Yeah, no, that's definitely in there for me. So that's one. Uh, two... I think that like that cylinder rule bullcrap because they they don't use that correctly. If someone's in the cylinder and they get elbowed in the face, they end up usually calling the foul on the a flagrant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's just it, it's so inconsistent. Like if you're gonna call it fine, but make it consistent. That's my issue with college basketball. I'll, I'll put let's lump in together. Let's lump in together that are those are point of emphasis rules that I think have been up in the last couple of years. The cylinder. The hook, hook and hold, um, what was the other one that I was going to think of? The flop. All three of those, highly called early in the season, not called in the end, but then all of a sudden it'll be called at a time when you're like, wait, you haven't called that at all in a month, and now you're going to call it, and it's going to turn the game. Like Those kind of rules, those point of emphasis rules, those quote-unquote freedom of movement rules, garbage. Get rid of all of them. Get rid of all of them. Mm-hmm. Um I've got one for you. This is more of a of a timeout rule. Enough with a team that's getting run on that can't can quite wait for that 16 minute or that eight minute or the 12 minute or whatever timeout, and they and they just buckle and they call timeout because their team's on a oh to you know they're getting run on like 11-0. so they're forced to call that timeout with 16:01, and then sure enough. The next stoppage at 15.45, there's another set of TV timeouts. Enough with that. The pace of the game is like college football. It ruins the pace of the game. It ruins the flow of the game. If you call a timeout uh, between 15.30 and 16.30, 11.30 and 12.30, whatever, that counts as your TV timeout. Like I've had enough. It it ruins the the game. I get it at the end of the game when people are calling timeouts because you're strategizing on a play. But when you're calling a timeout to quell a run, and then literally 20 seconds of gameplay later, there's another timeout, you're quelling the whole game. Um, so that's a, that's a horrible rule, I think. And I'll lump in with that one, another dumb rule, that you can only look at the monitor in the last two minutes of the game. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. If it's a bad call, if it's a goaltend, if it's a 
you know, whatever is it, who is it off of, it should matter at any point in time in the game because those little plays add up. But the caveat, if you're going to review it, it should be able to be done in a minute. If you can't change it in a minute of looking at the monitor, the call stands. I don't. I know you can judge intent from super, super slow-mo and, oh, that's a flagrant. No, you can't. You, if you can't figure it out in a minute, then it, play on. So those are my time, pace of play rules. Another one is rule number three. Freaking make it six fouls instead of five. Yeah, I mean, I've struggled with that. I wrestle back and forth. I I like it for keeping the stars in the game. It, I think, honestly, though, what six fouls does, it takes culpability away from the refs. The refs need to do a better job. They need to be more consistent well, in what a, what the, what's a foul. They need to be more consistent in what's called. If you can get that, I would rather keep five fouls. I think that's, that's a unique point of the game. Um yeah. Interesting. I saw one today from Jay Billis, and it's not necessarily a rule per se, but he thinks that college men's basketball, like women's did a few years ago, should go to quarters, ten minute quarters. Yeah, I don't like that. I, I don't. I don't think. I don't see what the value of that is necessarily. F- game flow, yes, but you can fix game flow with the stupid TV timeouts. Um, probably the other rule that either needs to just I'll put it on there as a stupid rule. It either just because it's stupid because it either needs to be enforced or get rid of it is the three second rule. Either you let yeah, Zachy Zach sit in there for 30 there seconds or, or you call him for three it. seconds. Yeah, One or the pretty, other. It's pretty simple. I, I, well, obviously it's not because... You know what? You want to make it easy? You want to say, well, you don't want to take the ref's eyes off the game? I got one for you. We got a lot of technology. Freaking paint lasers in that thing and have a little like clock go off on your belt. Laser in football. Have your clock go off on your on your little belt. They've got the thing to manage clock on their belt You know, for buzzer stuff. Mm. Three seconds. Call it. Doesn't matter who you call it on. It's three seconds. Like there's solutions to these things, if they want to solve them. And if you're not going to, fine. Just get rid of the damn rule. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. There needs to be a large scale, just officiating reform that happens. It's a joke. Um, yeah, it is bad. As it's, we it's, know, I mean, human. I, I get the human element, but it is so inconsistent. It is inconsistent, not game to game, but half to half. Um, right. It, it's just like I. It waters down the game. It makes the game worse. I think if you improve that, then five fouls is fine. Guys, yes, are more athletic. Guys are more physical or whatever, but that's fine. Don't run somebody over. Then don't don't slide in front of somebody for a block. Um, you know, to try to pick up a charge like. Everything in my mind, mostly ninety percent of those are blocks, and ten percent are charges. And take make it really simple and clear for the refs, and then you don't have to worry about that kind of stuff as much. Right. Yeah, all really good points. All right, fourth down golf. Golf. We're a week, two weeks away from. No, not even two weeks. We're a week away from the Masters. We had the match play, which so long match play. I I, w- I don't know why the PGA is getting rid of it because that. Match play, especially in Austin, like John Rahm said, that course would not hold up for stroke play. It would piss a lot of golfers off. They might not want to play there because there's so much risk and reward. But it is brilliant for match play. Drivable par fours, get on par fives and two, but all kinds of trouble down the left. Um, You know, there's just like risk reward holes up the wazoo. And it was great golf this weekend if you watched it. I mean, funny. Both the semifinal matches went to overtime, and you thought you were going to have Scheffler and McElroy in the final, and they both ended up losing, and they played in the semis. I don't even know who. Won. I don't even know who won that match. To be honest, do you remember Ryan? Oh, you stepped out of the. What was the question? Who won the um, the match oh, between McElroy and Scheffler? Two up on him. Two up. Um, but I'm, I'm sad to see that go because I think it's a number one. It's, it's a fun tournament. It's a fun tournament to watch. I think the guys like it. I think the commentators change like it. Um, yeah, it just changes things up. And, you know, when a match is over, it's over. And, and if you're playing like crap on a hole, so what? You pick up, you concede, and you go to the next hole. Um, I, I, I like how that's done. I, I hope they find a way to bring it back. Yeah, they need to. It's fun. The guys love it. It's just, it's, it's, refre- it's a refreshing thing for them probably to, you know, get away from stroke change. I mean, it's a, yeah, it's a lot of golf. Like if you're one of those guys, Scheffler, McElroy, um, Cam Young or who destroyed him? Sam Burns in the final six and five. 
you know, yeah, you play like seven matches. That's a lot of freaking golf. Like yeah. you're playing seven, what, seven matches in a very short period of time. So you're playing more golf than usual if you get that far. But yeah, I, I, I just think it's fun. It's, di- it's different. Um, and it, in some ways, even though you're playing more golf, it's a little less taxing because if you're out of a hole, you're out of a hole. Next, right. right? Exactly. On to the next one. You could get a 10 and it wouldn't matter. Honestly. All right. So for this, before we get into this week, the Valero, there's a few names playing in the Valero, and then next week is when it really matters, the first major of the year. So I got two questions for us for this one, one from Chris, because he always has good questions to throw out there, and one I just made up when I was sitting there thinking about this tonight. For the next 10 years, you get to play in every golf major, so that's 40 majors. You play every hole from 100 yards in. Out of those 40 majors, how many cuts are you making? Probably none of them. I could maybe make a quarter from from. I mean, I you would if you knew that, and all you pra- like his point was if you knew that, and all you just did hit a hundred yard it. shots. If I just hit a wedge, yeah, like if I went wedge. and just like up here to the backyard, and I, mean, I a, think I could get a three. It's one hundred and twenty nine. I think I could get a three team. or four or five at worst every time from a hundred yards, unless I just absolutely blade it or right. like screw up around the green. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you but if you practice I mean, it, if you yeah. could. If you could get on the green or sh- at least close to the green in a safe spot and get it close to the two putt every time, then you par everything. When you figure a quarter of those times you're playing the same course because you're playing the Masters. The other 30 you're playing probably most. I mean, some courses you might play twice, you know, in the PGA, U.S. Open, uh, British Open, Rotas. But so you think you could do a quarter? So you think you could make 10 out of 40 cuts? I think at least. No, yeah. you? I mean, yeah, I think, I think so. Throwing a few birdies in there, I mean, most of the time, even's a cut. Well, okay, let's look at it two ways. Number one, if you knew it and you just practiced nothing but that, and you didn't have yes. to work or anything, but if you practiced it, I think you could make probably a quarter to half. Yes. If you had to go out there cold turkey today no. and you don't get to practice, no way. No way in hell. No way. Because I can tell you, in Florida My a couple weeks ago, not good. I hit something like 58% of fairways, which is which is good even when you consider for pros. I hit like eight percent of greens. Like my approach game is dog water. Um, now, if you could work on it, yeah. If I knew all I needed to do was go and hit wedges at the range and be able to judge the wind a little bit and you know spin, learn how to spin the ball and that kind of stuff, yeah. If I could practice it, but like as as me as a stone cold amateur now, and I just got to go to the major for the next forty years and and be guaranteed in and play only from hundred yards in with no practice, maybe one. Yeah. Maybe one. Yeah, maybe. So me as I am, maybe one out yeah, of forty. Warm. Me with practice, I think I could do ten. Yeah, but practice, 10 or I can do it easily. But yeah. Ryan's sitting here watching this North Texas Green Wisconsin game because they need points. Wisconsin last Big Ten team standing. Yeah. All right. Other question. Um, so you could play Augusta one time ever, or you could play St Andrews every year for the rest of your life. Which one? You, which one are you pick? St Andrews would be awesome, but. Uh, I would go St. Andrews. Because who plays Augusta? No one. Yeah, but that's the point. Like, you could play Augusta one time. I'd rather play St. Andrews every year than that, honestly. It's tough, but... Yeah, fair. I'd rather play St. Andrews 40 times than Augusta once. Fair. I can see that. All right, let's talk history. Let's talk about uh, our contest. Valero. Um, uh, ne- I mean, we couldn't really do placements last weekend, but none of our guys won. Um, I don't Who think, did you have? I had Horschel and Fitzpatrick. I don't think Fitzpatrick made it to the to knockout. The round. Knockout. Horschel did. I don't think Morikawa did. I can't lay my loss in the first round. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. So that brings us to the Texas Open. Uh, Spawn won it last year, which got him in the Masters. Spieth won it the year before. Um, TPC San Antonio. Kind of a fun course. It's on a resort. Um, I've played on a video game before. Pretty cool. Um, but not a ton of huge names in it, but a guy that needs to win to or do really well to get in the Masters is Ricky Fowler. Um, he's playing in it. Uh, I thought about taking him, but I think I've taken him yeah, you this have. year. You took him a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, but I'm he's playing with, better. I'm rolling with two guys that are newer guys that have been good. Taylor Pendrith, long-hidden Canadian, then Davis Riley. Canadian. I think he's from the South, so we're rolling with him. 
Davis rather. I'm going Ben Griffin, who's been oh he's playing been playing well, well this year. Yeah. And Christian Bezeden Hunt, whatever his name is. Uh, I I know that those are not two guys that I've taken at any. No, exactly. That's so. that's what these tournaments are for. So then you know when you do the RBC or you know the Memorial, you can take other guys um, that are bigger names. But next week we're gonna have a foursome with. Augusta National. Which yeah, first be, major of the year, Augusta. Which is going to be delicious. And I'm telling you what, I'm not picking any of those live bastards to win. It's one of those. It's they one can't of those, play. They can't their play ratings, so by the way, were down 24% from their first. I got a tournament this weekend. If their excuse was, well, everybody was watching March Madness. Um, okay, plenty of people were watching the match play. So your golf sucks. None of your, quote, good players ever win. Your format sucks. Nobody likes it. Go away. Yeah, I, I'm very interested to see the reception um, at the dinner of those dinner. Guys, that and just in general if the if the patrons boo them. I don't know though because that's like very frowned upon at Augusta. Like there's the, I, Augusta the phone there. The you, people don't like that. That the I mean hell. I Bill, think it, your silence will be your booze. Like I Bill think was banned last year from there. Is he back this year? Yeah, he's playing. That's going to be interesting. Yeah. He looks. By the way, if you haven't seen a picture of him, he looks like he's eighty years old. Yeah, he looks. He really looks horrible. He looks like he got he looked taken out like back a, and piped with he, a. I'm not for kidding. Losing. He looks like he has like he's ill. He owes Guido, and he's been getting piped in the back of he, the legs or something. He looks, he looks ill. Bad. Yeah. He looks ill. I don't know what happened to him. I guess that's the lives. So he's, he's drinking Saudi the, money. the Saudi sports washing the oil backwash backwash. All right. Yeah, that that will be interesting. I'm looking oh, forward to it. Oh, and we uh, just made uh, our tea time for uh, Atlantic Dunes playing the second of the Harbor Town um, trifecta. Sea Pines trifecta. Um, Shout out to Uncle Wayne, who doesn't really listen to the podcast, but he's in the Gallery 13 in a couple weeks for the RBC. Yeah, on a wonderful golf Don't get course. eaten by that alligator. That's about where he likes to hang out, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, looking forward to that. I mean, I got the itch last week and playing and if we could uh, get like the weather to behave here in Michigan that would be a wonderful thing that's not going to happen hopefully we can play some courses we haven't played before well we will this summer Manistee, Manistee National we haven't played the South course since we've been on the podcast so we can talk about the no, South course we'll get to play Manistee National maybe we'll do a different try one. to play Forest Acres West this year I yeah, think yeah I'd play that I played there Eagle since Eye maybe Hawks Hit or whatever it's called Hawks Eye Hawkeye yeah. um, maybe Ferris's course that's not too far away um. Yeah, there's some there's some potential in there. Yeah, we got the uh, what do you got up just north of oh the pair of courses. Why can't I think of them? We think we Tell think Moore, of Tullymore St. Ives. Those are good courses. So we yeah, played those and we got some we got some good courses played. we could try to play this year if we haven't that we haven't done in a while. So yeah, looking forward to it. All right, sprint time. What is the best Final Four host city? That's a good question. Um, I'm going to go toss up between Indy and New Orleans. Yeah, I said Indy. Um, Indy's just a great sports city anyway. The hotels, the restaurants, everything's right there just, by yeah. Lucas Oil. Um, it's an amateur sports town. People love their basketball in Indiana. So I think that's one. 1A is New Orleans just because I think, you know, I, I having been down there during a Super Bowl week, I mean, there's stuff to do. There's... Places to go is a little bit warmer at this time of the year. Um, you know, I know why they rotate it and such, but I do wish... I know why they put it in domes, too, but I wish they wouldn't play in domes. I, it's not It's not as garden. good a basketball. Yeah, it's just... It's not... Back in the day, you know, every year the lottery would come out and we'd all put in the lottery for, you know, they'd give be in like a 24,000-seat stadium and, or arena... And, you know, they'd give away like 12,000 tickets and the other 12,000 would be for sponsors and blah, blah, blah. And it was always fun. It's like trying to get master's tickets, right? Same type of thing. I just think it would be better basketball. It's never going to happen. But, um, yeah, I'll go Indian New Orleans. Does spring football matter? I know that, especially like in the SEC and in Ohio State and, you know, even us to an extent, it gets you talking. It gives you something after March Madness. Yes, it matters for the program for development. From my standpoint, I could care less if they televise the spring game. It just, it just, I'm not going to see anything. It's all plain vanilla anyway. I don't want guys to get hurt. I think Tucker's kind of developed a how to not get guys hurt type of 
run through. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's important for them to practice and pull together any of the fanfare around it, like selling out a stadium for it. Just talking points. It's not for me. It's not talking points. That's what it is. Um, Will Michigan State end up using the portal? I assume we're talking about for basketball. Basketball. We kind of touched on this, but this is your. Yes or no, in general. I tend to think that Hall and Walker come back, and therefore no. But I think if one of those guys goes, we do. Yep. So, for a shooter, specifically. For a shooter. Right. guy that fits well. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, last one. What sports movie, this could be any in history, deserves a spinoff or a sequel? Ooh, that's a good question. There are a lot of good ones. Hmm. It's hard to say any of the true story ones because what would yeah, be the spinoff really of the sequel? So like the miracles and the Rudies or whatever. The Titans, you know, you can't really do um, that. I'm gonna say blue chips. That'd be cool with uh, nil and transfer portal in play. Right, that'd be kind of cool. I I said little giants. Oh, little giants. Where are they now? Type yeah, of thing. Yeah, or like uh, or just a new version. They're of coaching. It. Their the their grandkids, or did or Icebox and uh, Junior coaching a team or something. Yeah, Icebox and Junior and uh, what's his nuts? Um, Spike. Spike is coaching the other team. Yeah, like characters from before. That w- that would be pretty. Have good those people come back? That'd be kind of cool. Um, they, I mean, you could do a Hoosier spinoff. Maybe yeah, Ollie's Hoosiers. the coach or something. Um, yeah, it goes back to like, goes back to Hickory. Yeah. That'd be hilarious. That. Um, but Indiana doesn't have classless basketball anymore. They have classes now, so it's no fun. Uh, that's 117 of these bad boys. Uh, appreciate you guys listening. Um, let us know if you want us to discuss anything specific for any of the spots. As as we love mailbags, so said earlier, mail, we can questions. we can try to answer some questions and do some fun stuff. Why is the Earth round? Right. Because, you know, golf is going to be about the only thing on our, I mean, unless there's big sports news that comes up. I mean, NFL Draft, we'll do a, a draft episode of Riley back. Um, we'll do that in probably three weeks here next week. Probably be pretty pretty heavy on the Masters and um, the Final Four. Um, but, yeah, thanks for listening. Um, subscribe. Pound the like button on whatever you listen on. Let us know. Get, leave a comment. Um, Appreciate you guys. Meantime, as Coach Laranega said, right now in this sport, anybody can beat anybody.